0: Hello, hello. Welcome to At Home with the Intuitive Cook, the podcast giving a voice to everyday home cooks like you and me. Join me around the kitchen table as we chat about finding cooking ease and inspiration beyond rules and recipes and the noise of celebrity chef culture. It's not rocket science, it's just dinner. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 11. I'm Katerina Pavlakis, also known as The Intuitive Cook, and I'm sharing the kitchen table today at home with Sophia Maslowski. A lover of food, flowers, life and beauty, Sophia lives in rural Canada, and she's also a holistic health coach. We serendipitously found each other on social media when we discovered that we both speak the same intuitive language in the kitchen. She's as passionate about tasty, uncomplicated home cooked food as I am. And our spirited conversation covers a lot of ground from the philosophical to the practical and much in between. Let's get into it. Hello, Sophia. So great to have you on the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. This has been a long time coming. We've had quite a few conversations already over on Instagram and what have you. So, so I know you are someone who. Loves cooking. So do you remember actually learning to cook? I
1: mean, I don't remember anybody actually, you know, teaching me specifically how to to cook. But I remember, you know, being in the kitchen quite often when I was young and feeling very familiar in that space and being drawn to that space overall. So the usual kind of childlike memories of You know, having a chair up against the counter and standing up there and receiving a piece of dough from mom and rolling it out and playing with it while she makes the actual baked goods, you know, and then we throw in our weird looking thing and get all excited. And yeah, that was, I'd say those are maybe more like the more vivid memories of my younger age. But I remember also, too, just kind of like I say, getting very comfortable in the kitchen very early on, you know, for example, my mom didn't really love being in the kitchen. Even now, like I, I'm actually staying with her at the moment. I know she always loves it when I take over the kitchen, for example, and make the meals and and everything. So, and I started doing that from probably about age ten. I remember baking a cake for my sister's birthday. She was turning eight and that's probably one of my big fun vivid memories of being in the kitchen and just it totally being my thing and i made a cake for her in the in the shape of an eight and and iced it and decorated it and that was one of my earliest, proudest moments in the kitchen. But then, even after that, I got comfortable with making dinners and very getting very kind of like you know pragmatic about meals and making sure they were balanced and having the right you know combination of carbohydrates and vegetables and protein and and all that. And and then yeah, and I mean in terms of learning about it, I I think I just you know seeing the bits that I had seen my my mom my dad do in the kitchen kind of stuck with me. My grandparents in in Poland, my grandmother in Poland, watching them cook. I was always very fond of flipping through cookbooks and and watching cooking shows and that too. So it it came to me from all areas, really.
0: (laughs) So yeah, you just picked it up as you went along kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like I say, I guess, yeah, it, it, it always gives me wonder as to how or why certain people are drawn to the kitchen. Others are completely, you know, averse to it. I think it's important for everyone to to have some understanding of how to w- kind of work in the kitchen. But it's funny how some are just really into it. And then some are, you know, you, you know, people that, oh, I don't cook at all. You know, I'm like, how can you not cook at all? You eat every day, you know, which, you know, it's fine. There's certain people that have different strengths and and certain people that prefer to not have those strengths or whatever. But yeah, cooking's cooking's always fascinated me, though cooking and eating too. I mean, I love food. That's probably why I like to be in the kitchen so much because I get to have that control and, you know, prepare the food that I kind of personally enjoy. Although I love to be cooked for too. And I love to go out to eat as well. Like I love to be wined and dined for sure. But for some reason, I just, um, I'm also very happy just creating meals and coming up with them and different ideas and that. So yeah, love the kitchen.
0: (laughs) How do you come up with ideas? Because this is something that I think a lot of people are challenged with, like mm. this eternal question of, oh, what are we cooking today? So, mm. so how do you come up with ideas? So,
1: I would say the the first place, I think, is just what do I already have in my kitchen? You know, what's already at home? And that is Basically always my starting point, you know, sometimes I'll have a, a, a strong craving or an urge for something in particular that I'd want to eat, which maybe that's what people are sometimes looking for and how they want to approach cooking. But for me, the easiest way for me to, to, you know, answer the question, what's for dinner is what's in the fridge, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because that'll give you your answer <laughs> most of the time. You know, and if there's nothing in the fridge, which there's always got to be something, even if it's like a, you know, wilting carrot or whatever, or shriveling carrot, it'll spark some inspiration. Um, Or there's always, you know, the pantry as well. But yeah, I tend to look in the fridge and see what's there. And, you know, first, what's what's going off or what looks like it's on its last legs, that stuff definitely has to be used up first. Or what is there in abundance of, too? You know, like, for example, if I bought, you know, a couple of heads of cauliflower or something because they run special the other day, then I'll most likely probably prepare something with that in it. So, yeah, that's typically how how I go about it. So there's, you know, sometimes like just knowing that I have wilting cilantro in the fridge will mean, okay, I'm having either Mexican or Asian tonight, you know, and I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of protein or whatever other vegetables I have in the fridge. I know that I can match any of that to say the cilantro, you know, it's helpful too. If I have, I'm leaning more towards the Mexican, I'll hope that I have an avocado in there because I can't really have Mexican without avocado. And then, you know, certain little things like that, like I kind of, I'll think of what's in the fridge already. And then typically that ingredient will lean towards a certain cuisine, right? You know, like there's some things that are just very versatile, of course, that will, you know, if you have onions, you can make anything. (laughs) So, so that's good. But yes, I, that's, that's the way my brain works. I don't know. I don't know if you do something similar or not, but like, that's just kind of, it's a systematic, automatic way of, of how I go about it. And I kind of like it. I kind of like that it's like a game too, you know? And, oh, we talk about leftovers too all the time, right? Like if I've got a little container of, say, some beef stew in the fridge or whatever, and, you know, maybe it's not enough to feed all four of us, but there's just a little bit of it it that I know I can say, like, I do this like magic expansion thing, (laughs) and I'll chop up, you know, extra vegetables, start cooking them off, and maybe some other kind of meat Or, or bacon is a fantastic thing to say, you know, add some extra flavor or versatility to a meal that would otherwise be completely flat and boring, like if you just have, say, cabbage and carrots you know gosh toss some bacon in there and it's amazing so so yeah i just kind of i I like to play around with it i use that i guess the kind of idea like you often talk about like just the the principles behind it and some kind of formula and um starting with what i've got in the fridge and 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 build it up from from there kind of thing so
0: but Although you describe a sort of very, oh, let's see what we have in the fridge today, you also, Mm -hmm. I think you do some meal planning as well, don't you? So how do you combine that sort of off-the-cuff improvising with meal Mm -hmm. planning that, you know, most people, including me, kind of think about in a sort of very kind of rigid way?
1: Exactly. So I that's why I call my meal planning, like meal planning for B-type personalities, because... Mm -hmm. I would definitely not describe myself as the, yeah, the rigid kind of more disciplined A-type style of meal planning. You know, I don't, I would never, for example, like look at the calendar and say, okay, you know, Monday I'm having beef stroganoff, Tuesday it's lasagna, Wednesday it's this, like, first of all, I'd never make meals like that to begin with. It's just, <laughs> unless it's something very special happening the way i go about it is like my meal planning i like it to be very flexible but what i do is i'll, I'll start just with what i described I'll, I'll look in the fridge and see what i have and i'll i'll plan in advance more or less for to think ahead of time as to what i've got in the fridge that i know i need to use up earlier and you know the way i run my my meal planning workshops i i encourage the idea of, you know, you do what works best for you. And for me personally, I found, I know that I could never really fill in, or it's very challenging for me to fill in, like say, you know, Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday meals. I'll just do it every couple of days, for example. And I don't write down necessarily the the full thing that I'll make. I mark down the things that I know that I need to use in advance. So, which allows for that flexibility, but it also just helps me know like it it takes it out of my brain, for example, so that because I can always, you know, every time you open the fridge, you think to yourself, Oh, I got to use up, you know, that celery or Oh my gosh, those mushrooms, they need to, you know, they're going slimy, I need to do something with them tonight. That's why my meal planning approach helps that. I don't necessarily need to decide exactly what I'm making, but I put down, you know, Monday night mushrooms and celery or whatever. And then I can go on with my day and kind of in the background, you know, when I have lulls through the day, I'm like, uh, you know, certain ideas will come to my mind. and, um, And I'll think like, oh, I can do something, you know, I haven't had barley in a while or something like that. And I'll think, oh, mushroom barley soup. Oh, my God, you know. It also helps me to keep in mind certain things that, say, you have like in the back of your pantry. Like, I love to buy things like sun-dried tomatoes and uh, like all these like flavor bomb enhancers and stuff. But I don't know about you. Sometimes they get forgotten about, you know, and they start collecting dust in the pantry and stuff. So, whereas if I know, say, I bought like an aubergine or eggplant, as you we call it here, then I'll 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 put that, that down on say my, my meal plan and then it'll spark that thing in my head of like, oh, I've got that stuff in the in the pantry that I know that would go really well with that, say like capers or anchovies or whatever. Stuff that that I wouldn't think to use if I just, for example, am confronted with the with the moment of it's dinner time now and I have to quickly put something together. Then that stuff carries on sitting in the in the pantry, if you know what I mean. You know, like that's kind of how my, my brain tends to work. As long as if I can get it out of my head, onto paper, then it allows for other things to come to me that make dinner like a bit more flavorful and enjoyable. And, you know, and the the main part of it is that the decision has been made in advance. I know I need to do something with those mushrooms, that celery or whatever. And and then, yeah, and then I can play with it from there. So
0: Yeah, I like that. I like this idea of, of the ingredients sort of, Percolating and 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 the inspiration sort of coming coming throughout yeah. the day. I mean, I, I I usually just sort of open the fridge and try to have an idea there and then.
1: Which that can work too, and I I do that still very often. You know, like I'm not this diligent. Like for example, right now my life is kind of it's it's very different for me right now. So I'm not sitting doing my usual routine of the the meal planning. You know. One one thing we have to accept too that it does take a little bit of time, and it is a bit you know it, it would be unfamiliar to do it if you're doing it for the first time because it does take a minute of like sitting down. I, I I for my workshops I provide everybody with like a template, for example, that you can work with that's full of different prompts too that are helping you to to create a, a somewhat plan for the for for your meals for the week or for the next few days. And, you know, it's kind of, it feels a bit foreign at first, because it does require you to take that, call it that additional step in, in, the, in the beginning, you know, intentionally look at your fridge, kind of rummage around, you know, it takes a bit of effort in that. But it feels so good and so satisfying than, you know, what I typically tend to do, which, like you say, it's just, okay, it's dinner time, let's th- look through it. And, you know, I feel like you're maybe a bit more creative and inventive in in the in the kitchen or you you know you own a beautiful whole food shop full of wonderful spices and herbs and that so you you're you know you must be just you know full of inspiration all the time for me it's like okay you know looking after the, my girls and that I, I do fall on the same thing all the time I fall into the rut thing often you know.
0: Yeah, but and, um, I think all of us yeah. do in a way because, you know, I mean, I I get tired too and I need to make quick dinner. And I think I fall into these sort of phases. There, there will be a phase where I'm putting soy sauce on everything. And then there's another phase where I'm putting, I don't know, sun-dried tomatoes or olives into everything. And, you know, I have like the Fenugreek powder phase, or the cinnamon phase, or whatever. So, tend to kind of falling in yes. and out of love with 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 various ingredients. So, I think you know, I, I don't think I'm this sort of genius person whipping up you know crazy ideas all the time. I'm just you know, I'm I'm just making dinner, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, I,
0: that
1: I think about that all the time. Like what we kind of. Perceived to be a rut. You know, for example, if we're leaning on, say, olives for a good amount of days, you know, in a row or whatever, it's probably just because that's what we have in the fridge and they need to be used up too. Like, I'm learning to accept that. I'm like, no, this is not a rut. You know, it's, this is all like a lot of uh, self talk too. We got to tell ourselves, like, you know, if I don't eat these in the next, you know, for the next few days, then you know, you just don't want things going off or I think the phases are great, you know, like it's just if you think back, this is another way I think of, of it and justify it in my head, as we've evolved as as humans. There were you know, the rut was the typical thing we would have to go through because we would live by whatever was, you know, ripe at the moment or whatever we have maybe just hunted and it was just eating, you know, elk for the next couple of weeks or whatever, right? And that was it. there was a conversation I had with my husband like very early on in our relationship. And he was trying to kind of insist on this idea of, okay, we need to have things changing up all the time. Our meals, like it has to be, the dinners shouldn't replicate or or whatever after. And I I still agree to that, but I remember in the conversation, I'm like, well, you you can't be reinventing the wheel every single day. You know, like that, first of all, it takes too much mental power. And second, the food needs to be eaten. You know, like I know you and I, we have our tricks as to how to kind of modify or I call it like upgrading meals or upcycling meals to to give them some variety. And that seems to work very well for us. But like the substance of it is technically the same, you know, and I think I think we all need to just get over it and just eat the same thing for a few days in a row or even weeks in a row or maybe even for a full season, because it will change eventually when the next thing is in season, you know, like like tomatoes, when they're, when I'm harvesting tomatoes end of summer, like I'm just devouring them at every meal. And I'm saying, you know what, in a few months, they're going to be gone. So I better enjoy this now and enjoy the tomato sandwich and the tomato salad and the tomato soup, <laughs> you know? And yeah, like, I think, I think it's just, again, it's the self-talk and, and a talk in our culture maybe that we have that we need to just have so much variety, you know, I, rather than kind of keeping the rut as the problem, let's just embrace it. And, you know, like I say, we can throw in our tips and tricks on how to obviously throw in some kind of variety and interest through each day, adding, you know, different herbs or the different spices or whatever. But the substance of the meal, I think, is important for us to kind of just, yeah, accept.
0: Yeah, well, and I I think that with, with those little kind of flavor tricks, I mean, the same tomato sauce, could be an italian pasta sauce or it could be a curry or it could be a mexican chili or it could be you know all these different things it's still cooked tomatoes mm-hmm. you just changing up the flavorings and and i find this is a really easy way to to add variety without reinventing the wheel and to also as as you were mentioning earlier, you know, to to use up leftovers. So you have that portion of tomato soup or beef stewed in tomatoes, and it's not enough for a whole meal. So, you know, I will, like you, you know, throw in some vegetables or throw in some greens or a can of chickpeas or whatever. and, And there you go with a meal that is similar, but kind of not really. Exactly. Yeah exactly the same i'll I'll use yeah the the bits the
1: leftovers bulk it up and suddenly it's the essence is essentially the same but you're still enjoying a different flavor and eating experience ultimately so I love it I think it's a, a great way to approach meals and and like I say I, I I play with it I I have fun just kind of coming up with the new combinations of things and concoctions and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So as long as the family eats it, that's my main goal is that, you know, everyone just gets fed. I think also that's another thing too. We get kind of hung up on that. Everything needs to be like, you know, five star, perfectly created in that. Like the ultimate goal is nourishment. And I don't want to get too hung up on how perfect everything is or you know as we're both are on the same page you know it doesn't follow any particular predefined recipe it's just a matter of does this have enough you know nourishment that will feed everybody and and that's it and then dinner's done <laughs> then on to the next meal or catastrophe we need to deal with in life
0: <laughs> so do do you actually get those days where You either can't be bothered to cook or you're too tired to cook or you really don't have time to cook. So do you have like emergency meals that you make when there isn't actually it's not a day that's sort of calling for cooking? I don't know. This
1: is I might sound very strange and weird to people. It's so hard for like like I was saying, I love eating out and I will I'm definitely happy to lean on like, you know, ordering in or Going out for a meal if I just definitely don't feel like it. But I'm also quite a, I don't know, frugal type person. And I will do like my ultimate best to really resist that, you know, going that route. When again, if I know that I've got food in the fridge or certain things that I can use, I will, I'll, I'll find a way to, to, to make something out of nothing. <laughs> Yeah even my husband will say so if it's okay let's go out I'm like no 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 I can I can do something here you know I I'm I'm I don't know what's why I have that in me I guess my like my easiest meal that I'll lean on is the is potatoes and eggs for me I just feel like that is just this, the simplest thing you know like we don't eat a lot of pasta in the house. If I was more into pasta, that would probably be it, you know. That would be my my leaning on kind of backup meal. But I'd say potatoes and eggs are just so easy because one if you roast them, it's very simple and they're extremely tasty. It's almost like, you know, french fries. Just cube them up with olive oil, salt, pepper and some garlic powder. I mean, and then, you know, 40, 40, 45 minutes later, you have nice golden potatoes and then frying up some, you know, sunny side or over easy eggs. And then you dip the potatoes in there. It's kind of like, you know, breakfast for dinner kind of thing. So, and that works. And then I'll just slice up some cucumbers or tomato slices. And that's my favorite leaning on meal. And I really, I really would love to just pass that on to people like as as a as a go to meal to have because really there's no excuse like unless you're unless you're sick in bed, like you know with stomach flu or something that you can't make a meal, like you can make that meal, anybody can make that meal like it's very, very simple, but yeah if i'm if I'm feeling too lazy for that, then I would say pasta would be a thing that I would lean on, and that would be. Again, I can't even buy pre-made sauces or anything like that. So like I'll use it, you know, I'll chop up an onion, some garlic, some herbs, a tin of tomatoes, and just like, you know, a simple marinara sauce on noodles or something like that.
0: I, I often think that it, it is really so easy to make a simple tomato sauce that is going to be more tasty than something from a jar. Yeah. And I, as you said, you know, often maybe we we tell ourselves that either it has to be a big production or we'll get the takeout where, you know, it doesn't have to be, be a big production. And, you know, mm-hmm. potatoes and eggs is one of my favorites too, or potatoes and tinned fish. Oh, okay. And then you know, and then something vegetable it could be just sauerkraut from the jar, frozen peas, a couple pickles, slice up tomatoes, yeah. as you say. Or I tend to have always like a leftover,
1: a container of leftover coleslaw. Like we eat a lot of cabbage in our house, I make a lot of coleslaw very often, which is a good, substantial kind of vegetable to have on hand all the time that stores well. So, some coleslaw with, like I say, roast potatoes and eggs. I mean, it's such a great combination of of different textures and flavors and that. So yeah, it's very hard for me to be too tired to cook when I have this mentality about it, I think. I think that's the thing.
0: Yeah. And and to see that, you know, really, there is nothing wrong with really simple meals. That is still a proper mm. meal, you know, with your potatoes and eggs and, and some sort of vegetable, you have everything you need. This is a nourishing meal. Yes. So So that was like the pair down emergency version so what is your favorite thing to cook and to eat when you kind of push the boat out or or something special
1: oh, okay that's a fun question like <laughs> the thing okay i'll say what i cook most often which takes a bit more effort than say you know potatoes and eggs so i typically go on rotation in the household but i'll do like a weekly pork roast pork shoulder and just you know do like a dry rub seasoning for it and slow cook that and then that gives me pulled pork that we can eat for a couple of days after that and i you know transform those leftovers into great other dishes and then i'll do typically like you know if it's like winter fall time i'm obviously roasting more or or baking things in the oven so i'll do like like a sheet pan kind of like roast chicken thighs and legs because for us, they seem to have the most flavor, the dark meat and then the skin, the crispy skin and that. We always love to do that. And then, yeah, I'll do some ground beef also too on a weekly rotation. I've I've been getting into some ground beef. I've been getting into making like stir fries with ground beef too, which I... Not long ago, realized ground beef or is a great medium for making stir fry. It doesn't always have to be like thin beef strips or anything like that. Which is in my head again, self talk. We think that certain things have to be a certain way, and then you get over it, and it's like wow, the world opens up, and you have way more options, and life gets easier. So, all these things are just our typical things. They don't take me a ton of time to make them, and and to be honest, I love them. I think my favorite thing to make and eat, which is also easy and simple I'd say is the Mexican. I think I really love leaning on Mexican flavors like again with the pulled pork with that leftover, I just add like I'll fry up the the pulled pork again and add chili powder to it, some you know saute onions with it and that and then that's a good base on say like a tortilla or even get pitas sometimes. I would love to make my own, but the pita bread sometimes just is, I'll fall back on that because that seems to have better ingredients in there. And then, yeah, that with like a guacamole, some of that leftover coleslaw, like I say, I always have some hot sauce I put on there, maybe some cheese if we have it in the house, because yeah, we don't eat a lot of dairy in, in this house, but Oh, and then cilantro, of course, just sprinkle some cilantro, maybe some salsa if I have it, or if not salsa, I just chop tomatoes again, like it doesn't have to be specifically these things like chopped tomatoes do the basis of salsa. So you can just do that. (laughs) So yeah, Mexican would be my favorite thing probably to make and eat. I would love to explore more with making, adding, doing things with pastries and more kind of maybe French style stuff. I would love to make pasta from scratch as well, but because we're like a low carb household that lean on more meat protein and and low carb veggies, I don't get a chance to play around with that stuff often. But I feel as my girls get older and that um, I'm looking forward to kind of making those more, say more complicated meals or like, as you put it, normally, I think those meals that require more steps, you know, (laughs) right now I'm just totally into the whole like one pot, one, one sheet pan kind of meals. But yeah, I would like to do things like making more like lasagnas and, and stuff like that. That would be fun
0: you know, go to great lengths to make sure you're you're cooking at home. And you're also helping people with your meal planning workshops to, you know, make cooking easier for themselves, just like I do. You know, everything I do is I, I want people to realize that cooking can be easy, or as I like saying, it's not rocket science, it's just dinner. So why are you thinking that cooking is so important? Why is it so important for you? well i guess cuz how i said earlier in the conversation it's just
1: everyone eats every creature on the planet and us as humans we we eat typically you know three meals a day so if you're not cooking then i don't know how you're nourishing yourself and what i hear in the in the noise in in our culture is that a lot of people either don't like to cook or they prefer not to cook so I don't know how they're feeding themselves as much as they need to be if they're not feeling that comfortable in the kitchen. So I'm in the same mission as you are, is just to kind of, yeah, simplify things a little bit in the kitchen and... The, the best way I see about, you know, going about that is the way you approach it. And I, that's how we found each other, right? I think I had just searched the hashtag uh, intuitive cooking on Instagram and, and you came up and I'm like, yes, finally person I've been looking for because I've been cooking this way forever, but I didn't have it in me to to figure out how to explain the way to do it. And you've done it so well. I love how you you put it out in your principles and the concepts and your cheat sheets and formulas and things that you do. For me, my kind of contribution, I feel like, you know, that I want to add is, is that showing people how to make the time for it, you know, because that tends to be a big excuse or a big thing. And I mean, you and I also say like, yeah, there are some days where you just don't have the time. To to fit in preparing uh, a meal, like sometimes the thing that takes the most time, though I think is that thinking of what it is you're going to make, right? So that's that's why I've jumped on the whole meal planning bandwagon because what I'm trying to do is offer people or help support people in creating that space and time to make those decisions in advance. By giving those kind of prompts and inspiration, you know, leaning on these very simple things. Open your fridge, see what needs to be used. Okay. And then even if you can't think of the meal in the moment, you're at least creating that space between now and dinner time, or something might pop into your head. And then complement that with your approach and how, how you teach people, where you can kind of get to that moment and it's and you can allow for that off the cuff approach that intuitive approach. I think a big thing people have, like this aversion to meal planning, is like you can plan the day away. <laughs> you know, you could plan the week. And but by the time Friday comes, you know, who knows it may not feel like having, I don't know, schnitzel or, or noodles with beef or whatever. Like you may not feel like it. So that's why me wanting to help support people in providing a, a flexible, welcoming meal planning approach gives people that opportunity to to make that time for it, but to also allow for flexibility to to allow it to change and transform into what it needs to be when, when dinner time is actually there facing you head on. And it's like, okay, what are we going to do? So yeah, I don't know if
0: I answered the question <laughs> actually, which is cool. <laughs> And now, my kitchen friends, it's time for a quick break to see what I've been cooking up for you. If you ever feel trapped by recipes or wish you could get more creative in your kitchen, I made a free mini course. It's called Ditch the Recipes, and it's a short series of five emails that will help you get started on your intuitive cooking journey. Sign up on the website at theintuitivecook.co.uk free or find the link in the show notes. And now, let's get back to our conversation. <laughs> I find that another thing that people are very often getting stuck with is that fear of ruining it, you know, mm-hmm. that fear of mm-hmm. the the epic kitchen fail. Have you ever yeah. had an epic kitchen fail yourself? Okay,
1: certain things that I have done and will do sometimes. I know that I over salt things sometimes, and it is challenging to rectify that. <laughs> and then, and then I've kind of burnt things, you know. Like I would, I would made this like cabbage stew a while ago, and it was my my pot It's just it was it's not great. It's like this very thin stainless steel, and it just burnt on the bottom. And then that smoky burntness kind of went through the the, the whole stew and with the amount of meals that I actually make every single day, I'd say I have a pretty good, like uh, statistically things work out okay in the fridge, but I mean in the, in the kitchen. Oh, and I've forgotten ribs on the barbecue that totally charred the meat. <laughs> so that was pretty difficult to, to rectify. You know, the worst for me is really when I ruin meat because that's an expensive thing. I see it as a real sacred thing. You know, this was an, a living animal, so I hate when I ruin meat, for example. But luckily that day, I had some sausages in the fridge. So I just threw those on the barbecue and and, and managed to just have that as a backup. Like the, the ribs were really hard to kind of save. Although my husband kind of was like pretty adamant and he scraped off as much as he could. And then, you know, even that you could scrape off the burnt thing and then maybe just use the bones and make a soup out of them or something like that. Could kind of still save something from there. You know, I don't know, for people that kind of worry about that and, and, and worry about ruining dinner or ruining the meal, it's like again, I think just trying to aim at making things edible enough just to feed everybody and also too accepting sometimes things don't work out and then just have a, a backup thing in the background. But
0: you know, really if if you think about, you know, you you just mentioned three occasions of something going you know, very wrong, but you are cooking pretty much 350 plus days a year for years. So, th- this kind of idea that every little misstep might ruin your dinner, I think it's not true. You know, I mm-hmm. think it's a myth. I think cooking mm-hmm. is actually very forgiving, not when you're aiming for perfection, yeah. but when you're aiming for, you know, a perfectly tasty meal. You know, it's very difficult to make something not edible.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And especially if you're doing it every day, and you're you know building up that practice every single day. And I mean, even even if it does turn out like like you say, the the, the overall track record is going to work out in your favor because we eat so often that it's you have to have you're always going to have more better meals than you are failures, especially if you keep practicing. And I mean, I don't know if, if that is kind of putting people off from attempting more in the kitchen. I think, again, it's a matter of just getting over it and maybe have you know some sandwich bread as a backup in case anything happens. I, I always get nervous about wasting or having to throw away something, but I have a, a good compost pile that requires things to be put in there. And if something doesn't work out then then it then it goes there and then feeds the soil and, and then it all comes back into the loop. So I try to see it in a in a positive way in that sense. And like I say, the, the hardest thing for me to just kind of part with is is meat. But even that, you know, you can make yeah, smoky soup flavored <laughs> broth. <laughs> with with bones or whatever from things that you may have barbecued over, you know, a bit too crispy or whatever. But there's definitely ways to save things. Like, for example, if I like one thing I have done is the over-salted coleslaw. So I could also just like maybe shred some more cabbage and then add it to the made coleslaw and then bulk it up. And then I'll have actually leftovers and that could work out into an actual really positive thing because then I'll have extra leftovers for the week and then I need to cook less later. Yeah, that's the great thing about the the kitchen. I don't know, you know, like people kind of put the whole homemaking and caretaking role of of the household in such a low position but we have to be on it all the time, you know? Like our brain needs to be working all the time, figuring out, you know, what to do, what to make, how to fix it if it, you know, goes wrong. Yeah, there's so much space to to be creative and and then we have when you're when you're finding yourself in those moments of, you know, lack of inspiration or whatever, then we have gosh, what, fifty trillion cookbooks out there that you just need to open? one and get some inspiration that way. And I think, oh, that's a good cookbook idea. How to save, you know, failures. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Certain things that have gone wrong in the kitchen. I wonder if there's a whole book about that there. There's certainly chapters and blog posts and things (laughs) like that. Yeah. So what's your relationship with cookbooks then?
1: Oh, you know, okay. So we're currently building our home right now. And I have been resisting collecting the amount of cookbooks that I would I should actually be in ownership of by now at this point in my life. But it's just we've been doing the tiny living thing for so long and kind of had traveled and, and everything. So I never I haven't really created the the library of cookbooks that I'm really hoping for. But that's gonna change soon once the house is done and I can't wait for my my whole library of all the books that I wanna be in possession of. So But, uh, yeah, like, gosh, you you know, one thing actually when I did travel, so I went to, um, when I was in university, I did an exchange program and so I lived abroad and I traveled a bit while I lived abroad in Europe and I decided as like a fun little nostalgic thing, every country that I would travel to, I would buy a cookbook from that place as a little memento, you know? Got to find that somewhere. That's got to be in my dad's basement or something like that. <laughs> somewhere I've kept it in storage. But yeah, you talk about food memories all the time. They're so important. They're so part. They're so special for us. You know, some of our greatest memories probably involve meals and, and you know eating something special and that. So uh, definitely part of my travels was going to experience all the different meals and cuisine that that I was you know not used to in that. So those are great memories. But yeah, in terms of cookbooks I I don't know I mean I don't I, I was gifted a bunch actually from a friend which I loved kind of displaying in my home there's only like two or three of them but like things like a uh, smitten kitchen is always a, a good one to to flip through I always love the cookbooks that have pictures in them for sure that you know you can see although like I've just told you recently I just stumbled upon that uh, book by is it Tamar Adler is her name, that everlasting meal, which is not a cookbook per se, even though it has some little recipes in there, but it's more of the approach to cooking, the more philosophy behind it that is, I think, also very important for a lot of people to kind of tune into.
0: It's great. So you just mentioned all these wonderful food memories and memorable meals. Do you want to share one with us of one of your memorable meals? Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, any of
1: my, from, from childhood, I would say probably being in Poland where um my father's from, my, my, I mean, my mom's parents are both Polish too, but so my heritage is Polish and, but we would go and visit family in Poland. And I would say probably eating over there was, you know, very memorable for me. I remember even, you know, going to my grandmother's garden, she had an allotment there and in the back behind her building and picking, you know, fresh vegetables and that, like they would harvest their own potatoes. I remember the, they were just so flowery and they're the best potatoes I'd ever eaten for sure. Like they're just perfect. And thinking back to, I, I remember just recently it dawned on me, oh my gosh, my grandmother there in Poland would make like potatoes and, and fried eggs. I remember eating that meal there. And I'm sure, I bet that was a meal she leaned on when she had no idea what to cook. or anything Without you know, communicating with it, it just dawned on me, like just in the last couple of weeks. I think thinking about it, so that was probably a, a meal she leaned on, as well. Definitely her, you know, the fermented pickles and homemade sauerkraut and those those kinds of my my old Polish roots. That, that those meals are definitely in the in the food memories. Most recently, though, I think it was my husband's fortieth birthday, and I remember we had a couple friends over. And I had made like grilled shrimp or prawns on the barbecue, and then I made like a Thai curry or something or some noodles. You know what? I don't even remember exactly what I ate, but I just remember all of us enjoying it. So I, we were eating outside. It was such a gorgeous day. It was it was so beautiful, and everyone was just like, "Wow, this is so good! This food, you know." And and then we I made an orange almond cake for dessert, and it just Complemented the meal so well, like everything just flowed together so nice. Like, like I said, the combination of just being outside and this amazing day and with good friends and, yeah, that was that was good. And then, ah, oh, Indian meals eating out in in London, all the like all the curries over there. Like, it just, I could go on a lot about great food memories. It's just,
0: but, <laughs> but it's also interesting to find that so often. You know, my ma- own memories too. How the food, and the experience, the context, the the people we shared it with, the day eating outside or eating in a certain place on a travel, yeah, you know, all this is so intertwined. You can't just take out the food. It, it's all yeah. the experience. You know, it's not about the food. It's about the experience. And if you made that exact same orange almond cake again. It would be a different experience, and it wouldn't taste the same. So, we have this idea that we we can repeat a meal if you just follow the recipe again exactly, but we can't because next time we make it, yeah. everything is different. We are different. That's why I love my work as a holistic health coach
1: because you know people want to people. I find tend to focus on, okay, what should I be eating that's healthy for me? What amount of nutrients do I need? What macronutrients? What's the you know combination of these things? And speaking more in mathematical terms as to what they should be consuming, whereas it's like, well, it's not just about the food. It's how are you eating it? Where are you eating it? Who are you with? What time of day is it? It's like, it's the holistic experience. It's, I was just listening to this great podcast episode this morning about how, let me see if I can get this right. People tend to actually live longer. Yeah, they add more years to their life by eating candy, say, two or three times a month, rather than abstaining from it entirely. Like, it's okay, everyone, you know, like, allow yourself it's a very that's different though than eating say one or two three candies a day but doing it one to three times a month say on like you know a birthday celebration or valentine's day you know like the problem is i think we've just normalized so much this this excessive processed foods in our diets and so that's why people just are like okay what do i need to eat that's healthy it's like well we have to like reframe the whole conversation. It's like, okay, yes, you need to eat healthy things, but also eat the naughty things in the right context, you know, and not excessively. You know, I talk, I go on about the blue zones and everything like that. Like alcohol, coffee, they may not necessarily be bad. It's just the way you consume these things and the frequency and and all that. It's um more holistic than people want it to just be like, you know math like the calories okay so many calories in so many calories out like that's not how life works so it's it's
0: a whole yeah, picture yeah it's a whole picture and you know how we do things as you just said is is just as important as what we do or what we eat so yeah i i yeah. totally agree with that there is a lot more to a good life than a list of nutrients and and this is why all these you know nutrition studies that will say I know coffee is bad for you. Coffee is good for you. You know, alcohol is bad or good. Tomatoes are good. Tomatoes are bad. You know, all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it can't possibly be black and white, and the context is just as important. And the context is different for everyone. So, yeah, exactly. And well, that's just uh,
1: as we've talked about previously. Before I know that we wanted to kind of mention this is that um, this focus on all the specific nutrients and things that we should all be consuming that's you know partly why I did my health coach training to be more aware and understanding of what is the right amount of you know all the the micronutrients and the macronutrients to to eat but at the end of the day it what matters is is that you you know how to prepare your food in a way that you will eat it and you know, enjoy it somewhat enough just to allow it to nourish you. And yeah, that's the important thing. Like, I, I know that there's many people across the planet that could live a whole healthy life without ever know- knowing what amount of magnesium or iron or zinc they consumed in the day. And, but they live very healthily because, first of all, they they prepared the, the food themselves from whole ingredients. And they probably in ate it in a, in a way that was holistically, you know, most healthy for them. And that included probably eating with others communally, or, you know, maybe eating outside and and stuff like that. We really, we make that a priority in our home too. When it's nice weather, we're outside eating as many meals as we can. I don't know. I think meals are just such a great opportunity to have a little special celebration every day, you know?
0: Well, and I think in our house, it is that sitting down to dinner is the highlight of the day this definitely is the best yeah. part of the day you know sharing dinner so yeah mm-hmm. so to bring this full circle and and to a close do you have a couple of favorite tips or hacks that you're using that make cooking easy for you or, or tastier for you that other people might benefit from knowing your tricks
1: yes so for me i definitely when i'm preparing food for a meal whether it's lunch or dinner i will always overcook sometimes i don't know why people don't all do this but i think <laughs> this is a, a big key in order to to be able to cook more often for yourself with less stress because when you kind of automatically get into the batch cooking mode then you know you you, you cook once eat twice or three times, or four is my motto. Like you know, like I say, I, I'll do a roast pork shoulder so that I have food that will last us for a few days. I'll make a big bowl of coleslaw so that I have some fresh kind of salad veg thing on the side for many for a few more meals. So always, always cooking extra more than I need to. Then you know, because if you're if you're there taking the time to prepare food, you might as well prepare a whole bunch because. I'm the same, you know, we're all the same. Like, we don't, no one feels like, you know, standing and chopping vegetables for hours and stuff. So, but when you have to go and do it, you might as well do it a whole bunch in one go and then it's out of the way. So, so that's definitely something. And then, you know, we talk about having magic sauce always and stuff. I always like to have some kind of uh, pre mixed olive oil, some chopped garlic or lemon juice and salt and that in the fridge too have that ready as like a drizzle or even like, you know, if I'm making a quick guacamole, I'll smash up the avocados and then I already have like, you know, a garlicky infused olive oil that I can add to the to the avocado and you've got flavor injection instantaneously. <laughs> Either that or I also have been getting into the into the routine of making a pre-mixed like herb or spice mix. Kind of like a Cajun, like your own homemade Cajun spice mix. I like to do so. I mix the spices that I like. It's like garlic powder, salt, cumin, paprika, maybe some oregano, and that. And then you know, sprinkling that on top of, say, scrambled eggs or well, any kind of eggs, fried eggs, uh, just to add a little bit of uh, excitement on the plate. You know, sprinkle that over anything, roast veg or meats for that matter. Anyways, a very versatile kind of herb spice mix. I think is really great to have under your belt. Uh, as like a special superpower you can have to make make meals just that little bit extra interesting. Yeah, I like
0: that, yeah. and to have it, you know, already prepared in a jar, so you don't have to think about what to add. And it always it always works. You know, we are often afraid of you yeah. know, adding the wrong spice, but actually, you know, just add what you like, and it will be fine. Yeah. Yes, it will work. It'll work. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a that's a nice place to bring this to a close. So thank you for that conversation, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. It's really yes, nice chatting with you as always. So I'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks for joining us for this episode of At Home with the Intuitive Cook. Check out the show notes for links and tasty morsels. And remember... Fresh episodes are served up every other Friday. Subscribe to stay tuned and keep exploring the joys of everyday cooking. Until next time, stay curious, trust your taste and don't forget, it's not rocket science, it's just dinner.